I invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, and so easy to find. Open the front cover and move to Genesis chapter 12. Throughout the fall, we will continue our series on identity, scripture, and mission, answering the questions of who are we, how do we know, and what does that mean for us? And so we answer those questions through who are we, what is our identity, how do we know, but by reading God's word together, and what does it mean for us? What kind of mission has God called and equipped us for? How do we embrace that fully through hospitality and belonging and equipping? And so today we're just going to read three short verses, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And as we read these verses, I invite you to consider just a little bit of context herein, that when these words were spoken to Abraham, the patriarch of patriarchs, There was nothing about him that was special. There was nothing specific that he had done that made this happen except for God's good fortune and love towards him. This came essentially out of nowhere. And so I invite you to hear these words in just a moment. What if this happened to you? What if you were going about your daily life and your normal business of the day, and all of a sudden you heard the audible voice of God speak these words to you with full direction and intentionality that you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that they were for you. You weren't expecting them, and yet they happened. I invite you to take on that posture of hearing. Take on the posture that Abram had when he was first called by God. But before we do so, let's pray. God, may your word be our rule, your Holy Spirit, our teacher, and the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ, and his kingdom purposes, our utmost and primary concern. Help us to hear these words today as if they were spoken to us, as they have been spoken to us and for us, through the gift of your word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. (coughs) Friends, Abram wasn't anything special that made him stand out when he heard these words. They came to him unannounced. And yet he received them. He acted upon them. He was obedient to this drastic call to to take up and leave everything that you have. Go to wherever I am calling you, even when the way is unsure. Abram heard these words. And as Hebrews tells us, it was credited to him as righteousness, simply that he believed. 
Abram was the same person when he heard these words, and he wasn't given superpowers or special abilities at the moment of these words being spoken over him. He just received them and had to learn to live into them. He had to trust that the Lord was with him. And it doesn't mean that even though God blessed him and said that he would be with him and bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him, it doesn't mean that life was going to be any easier. It doesn't mean that everything was going to be simple and taken care of. But that Abram had to learn to trust, even as he was renamed Abraham, that the Lord was with him and that God would be at work through him. I ask you this pondering question. If you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that people would be blessed through you, what would you do? If you knew that people would be blessed through you, that God was at work through you, what would you do? Abram was blessed. And he leaves and goes from where he was He leaves with all of his possessions. Now, his possessions multiply. God God blessed Abram not only with a a spiritual heritage and legacy and identity. He also blessed him with with wealth and herds and flocks. and, And all of the measures of wealth in that day were Abram's in abundance. God did bless him in material ways. One thing, as we read along with Abram, we know that he was just as generous as he was wealthy. And maybe one more thing for us to hold on to as we hear these words, as we try to imagine being Abram and responding to them, another thing that we have to hold on to is that Abram still made mistakes. Even though God blessed him and gave his full assurance that he would be with him, Abram still made mistakes. He did some stuff that was just plain dumb. Now, some of us might also resonate with that that we know that God is with us. We, we can identify that our identity is found in Christ. And yet when we mess up, we kick ourselves hard. And we feel like fools. We feel like failures. We feel that knot in the pit of our stomach because we can't let go some of our mistakes. Abram was not made perfect in this moment. And yet he did continue to live, to act, and to remember that God was with him. He still made mistakes. He still had to continue to learn his identity. He was even tested by God to make sure that Abram didn't find his identity in his son Isaac, but that he still found it in living completely for God. Identity and mission were still coming together for Abram as he was discovering the purpose to which God called him. And this, my friends, is true of us at every season of our lives, at every season in the life of the church, we are continuing to grow in the solidifying of our identity in Christ and in a sense of the mission that we have been called for. And this all goes hand in hand with the underlining part of our triangle that we continue to read Scripture, to to know that this is our story, this is our song. This is our story to know, to grow into that none of us have reached some completion point where we know everything we need to know about the Bible, but that it is a living, living and ongoing part of our growth. Just like it was for Abram, who was a person just like you and me, who was a wanderer 
in the world, and yet who is called by God and identified as God's own. The words that God gave to Abram in every single verse is the repetition of bless, bless and blessing. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Bless, bless, blessed blessing continues on and on and on again. This is the core of the call of Abram. This is the establishing of the nation of Israel, starting with this call of Abram and the purpose of which was to bless. And words are used here that were used in a pre- previous two weeks. Things about becoming a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Two weeks ago, we thought about identity from 1 Peter chapter 2. And last week, we got the sense from 1 Corinthians 12, this idea to eagerly desire the greater gifts, to continue to live into the fullest sense of your calling, to, to go beyond, to trust, even to be willing to fail and go outside of our comfort zone, to eagerly desire the greater gifts, to take on the mindset of being like an apostle, that wherever we go, we have been sent by God, and that this is full of purpose, that we don't just wander with random chance, but that we wander as people seeking God's opportunities for wherever we are. And within Abram's call, the purpose of those encounters were to bless. Now, very specifically, God says, I will make you into a great nation. And in the New Testament, we understand more and more that this is is not a national identity, but this is a spiritual legacy. To understand that we're made into a royal priesthood, a holy nation, is to live as God's people wherever we are. Even if we encounter things that we would deem unholy, that we are still called to be a holy nation of people, a gathered group of believers who trust in God's, in, in God's providence for us. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. This whole idea of you will be a blessing is not just a description or a polite suggestion. It is a command. You will be a blessing. So I raise that same question again. If you knew that God would bless someone through you, what would you do? Could you fully believe that God could use you to bless others? That just as we have faith in God, that God also has some faith in us as high school version of Pastor Audrey wrote in her Bible, to remember that there's a sense of call and identity. Important also is that God told Abram, I, God, will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Abram is called to bless people, and God also will bless those who bless Abram. But you notice that Abram isn't called to do any cursing of anyone is not called to do this at all. Whoever curses you, Abram, I will curse, because I, the Lord your God, am with you. And so I will take care of you. You don't have to do the cursing. You don't have to be the one who seeks to tear down those things which you think are against me. I will do that myself. Your response in this 
is to simply know that I am with you, that I will go before you, that I will be behind you, that I will be beneath you on the path I lay for you, and that I will be above you as your guiding light. Friends, we live in a time where there is a lot of desire to tear down and to curse, to pick apart and belittle and demean. There's enough of that to go around. And sometimes we want to do this with the belief that God is on our side, and so our, our tearing down of others is a holy tearing down. And yet to resound with the call of Abram in Genesis chapter 12, the blessing may happen through us, but the cursing? The cursing is God's business. As if this resounding, the resounding echo is, I'm with you, I will take care of you, So you get to be a blessing, you will be a blessing, verse 2. But the cursing, I'll take care of that myself, says the Lord. Doesn't mean we don't pray it, doesn't mean that there's not psalms that identify it, but it's not the core part of our calling. The core part of our calling is to bless and to be a blessing. To live into the spiritual legacy of learning how to be a holy nation right here wherever we are wherever we are sent. You will be a blessing. But then all people on earth will be blessed through you. Have you been blessed by someone? On Monday, we celebrated the resurrection hope that calls us to face death without fear as we gathered here for Ruth Holst's funeral. And also, there were stories that abounded, both of people who are here, people who were guests and friends, who can testify that they were blessed by someone. And I know full well that Ron and Ruth would be very careful to note the call of Abram here, to know that the blessing happens because of God through us, that we are the vessels of blessing. If you knew that God would bless people through you, what would you do? How would you speak? How would you act? Where would you go? How would you reach out to people if you knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that your actions would bless people, that God would be at work through you, and that this was not some optional piece of who we are, this isn't something we take on and take off, but this is part of our identity, is to be people who bless, who build up, who encourage, and that the law has its full place, but the call of Abram was long before the Ten Commandments, was long before the law, that the call of Abram to bless came before we were given the greater instructions and even those instructions of the law that were given later to Moses were for the purpose of living into the fullest sense of life that God had for us. Even then, the law was not to be weaponized for us to use to try to control behavior that makes us uncomfortable. But the intent of the law, the good and perfect gift, was to say this is the fullness of life that we invite you to live into. Is the church a fence that keeps us away from God unless we're holy enough? Or is the church a wellspring and a water of life that we come to when we are thirsty? Because we need to be blessed and to know God's blessing is with us. The call of Abram is specific to blessing. All of these other things will be added to it. But the reason we stick to these three verses today 
is because of the resounding theme that our identity that is not optional but is part of who we are as people of God is to bless and to continue to live into this idea that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, next week, we're going to talk a lot about Scripture, how this book came to be, who wrote it, where did it come from, how did we decide what's in it and what's not in it. But one thing, just to maybe preview that, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. A simplest dimension of understanding that is that Abram's lineage will lead us to Christ. That all peoples on earth will be blessed through you is a preview and a foreshadowing that through the lineage of Abraham tracing generations into the future, farther than Abram can comprehend, is when God would send his son Jesus Christ to die upon the cross for our sins, to give us salvation and the assurance of eternal life, that all people on earth will be blessed through you, both presently, Abram, to be generous, to bless those who bless you, to show hospitality to strangers, just as Abram does, but also in this future sense that God will bless you. Sometimes our actions in the present cannot be fully known or understood, the seeds that they planted, that God's future vision of blessing people through you has not yet been fully realized, has not yet come to pass. This is where faithfulness to our identity as people who are called to bless matters so much. What would you do if you knew God would bless others through you? This can seem lofty. This can seem like it's beyond us. This can seem like, well, of course God called people like Abram. There was good reason for that but I don't know how I can make a difference. My friends, it's not optional, but also it's not meant to be impossible. As we go through the fall, we're also going to talk more about equipping. And sometimes equipping is so simple as helping each other discern one another's gifts, things that are impactful and meaningful that we live into, that we lean into, that we care about. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Be blessed through knowing the love of Jesus Christ, through knowing that there is more to this life than what there seems, to simply know that you're cared for, that you're known and that you are loved and that you are welcome to belong. And yet sometimes this can seem out of our reach. And this imperative part of our identity is not always fully grasped or lived into because we do sell ourselves short. And sometimes there, there might be someone working against us in this too where that voice creeps into your head and says, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't make that big of a difference. Or you might say something wrong. You might do something wrong. So just sit and be quiet. There are things we can do wrong, certainly. There are times where we say the wrong thing. There are times where we maybe try to bless someone in a way that they don't actually want or, or need. But we continue to learn and grow, even from our mistakes, even from the ones that hurt people. We're called to have childlike faith in this calling. Part of our identity is children of God. 
When I think about being a child of God and childlike faith, and, and I, I honestly, in my soul, I resist that sometimes. Um, I, I like theology. I like reading. I like understanding. I really appreciate that the Christian tradition has Latin phrases like fidius quantum intellectum, faith-seeking understanding to grasp and to wrestle with. And I think in some of those areas is where we can trip so quickly to think that our blessings don't make a difference and so that we don't do them at all. Childlike faith and even a childlike desire to bless others. Now, children don't have a full capacity um, for perspective-taking empathy. They can't always understand, you know, if, if you want a child to pick out a gift for their parent, they're going to get something that they would like for themselves because they believe that if they like it, someone else would like it too. I gave lots of uh, toy cars to my mother when I was growing up as her birthday presents. But earlier this month, I was reminded something about childlike faith and was given a little bit of a glimpse beyond all of my intellectual desires into the reminders of simple blessings. Every occupation this is not just ministers, this is every occupation has those things that call for extras, right? And we have to explain to our kids and have these conversations as they come to understand, you know, hey, you know what, um, mom has to travel for work this week or, or dad has to work late tonight. We all have these things in our occupations. And certainly, Caitlin and I have them too and we're, we're getting to that age with Ada where we have to explain um, you know, Friday is, is usually the Sabbath day where daddy's home, um, but, but dad has to go right now. Man, Ada just wants to know why. Caitlin explained to her pretty recently, well, there's a family that's hurting, and so, so dad's going to go be with them, and he's going to read the Bible and pray with them. There's a family who's hurting. And Ada's response, they're hurting? I'll draw them a picture. I'll draw them a picture. That will help them feel better. She learned this in the hospital when we were helping Papa feel better. I'll draw him a picture. My picture will help him feel better. So this has become part, as, part of Ada's habit, is to draw a picture to help someone feel better when people are hurting. Now, it's simple, there's not a lot to it, and it was drawn on printer paper that was already crinkled because she stepped on it, so it became scratch paper. And yet this little picture was given as a gift. And then I started to look at it, and I actually am going to give it to who it was intended to, but I almost didn't because I thought, what difference does this really make? So I put it in my bag and said I'd bring it to the family, but then I got looking at it later. Now, it's thinly drawn with marker, but as I started to look at the picture and to think about Ada's desire to be a blessing, I saw blue, a comforting color, and it was almost like I saw feet or legs, as if someone was walking alongside of someone else. And I noticed that the blue that has the legs is different from the green, which seems to be the head, as if somebody was carrying someone else. And then I thought of Abram's call, the simple assurance that I, the Lord your God, am with you and will be with you, that I will carry you and that I will bless people through you. A 
childlike faith has no hindrance or self-criticism that their gift of blessing might not be good enough. It is simply just a desire to give, to offer in love and compassion. And with the full assurance, this will make a difference. This will help people feel better. As I looked at the picture, I felt better. And I suddenly knew that God can be at work, even through the smallest act of kindness, well-intentioned in the heart, to bless, to bless others. What would you do if you knew that God would bless someone through you? What's the picture you would draw, the card you would write, the gift you would give, the phone call you would make, the assurance you would offer at work or in the home? My friends, God does bless others through us. This is what we have been called to do. So find your picture. Find the person who needs it and bless them. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, you call us to be a blessing to those around us. Help us to live into that well without self-criticism, without hindrance, but with an eager desire to do your will. Amen.